The Art Of is a podcast with the sole intent of meeting with artists that work in a variety of mediums. I'm your host, Alex Donovan. Come join us as we dig deep into how different artists work and run their creative endeavors. Welcome to The Art Of. Our guest today is Owen York, an actor, entrepreneur, and several successful online business ventures, professional painter, a savvy and intelligent promoter and marketer, and a generous human being. We are happy to have Owen join us today to share insights into his successful career as an artist and the many roles and responsibilities he has. Owen, great to talk with you today, and thank you for being here. Hey, Alex. Sure. No problem. So you uh, are trained as a fine artist, and you went to the Academy of Art in Chicago. Is that right? Correct. All right. So from that formal training, so we're just going to start right out of school on this. Like, how has that formal training prepared you as an artist? Well, I think, well, mine was a little different. You know, when I was out picking art schools after I graduated high school, uh, at least in Chicagoland, there was a few choices. And um the American Academy of Art was a little different. It was more of like a trade school, right? It was uh-huh. more of like, uh, hey, we're really going to teach you how to do this. We're going to teach you how to, like, get a job and work and, like, professional arts methods as opposed to, well, here's how I this makes me feel and here's how, you know, a little, mm. a little different. So I, I kind of jived to that a little more. So I think in terms of professionalism and method like commercial arts methods and fine arts methods I felt a little bit more trained than probably a lot of people who are coming out of different art schools Hmm. Um, I don't know that it necessarily prepared me for the business world like how to start a business how to invoice your clients I mean you don't learn any of that which is kind of a fail but um, Mm -hmm. I feel like that place at least at the time prepared me um, better than others would have you know Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so you didn't have like any business training coming out of it. It was like, Hey, like you're going to get into the production and the commercial, not, not necessarily commercial production, but actually producing the work and getting a product. Right. And that's what yeah, you're well, on, you know, right? it's true. I, I had my first little business of 15 people when I was 17 years old. So I was always quite the little entrepreneurial, you know, uh-huh. go getter. And, uh-huh. um, so in coming right out of art school, even I was booking my own gigs as a freelancer. And, uh-huh. um, so, yeah, so, I mean, I, I was kind of, I don't know, I was pretty hungry and, um, yeah, but what happened is like, I went to, I would say before art school, I was more like in terms of a painter, I would have considered myself, you know, like an impressionist style and, and then when I went to art school, I got a degree in illustration, which is more like kind of a commercial art, right? Right. And then right. I came out of school, did some graphic design stuff, which I dumped really quick. I'll, I'll leave that to the real pros in that. Um, you know, but I did some illustration gigs and then uh, I kind of dumped it all and just was like, yeah, I don't really want to do. I just felt, sort of felt like a rented pair of arms and decided to just pursue mm-hmm. fine art as just I want to do what I want to do. Here's my paintings. And um, so funny enough, I went and got a commercial arts degree and then ended up not doing it at all. (laughs) 
<laughs> but I mean, <laughs> how many people good. go to a college and don't do what their degrees in? It's probably a ton. Uh, probably. I mean, I went to school for photography. I do do that work now, but I run a web and graphic design company. I didn't <laughs> go to school for web. Right. <laughs> Not at all. So yeah, no, I understand that. Total sidebar question. What was the business you had when you were 17? Um, well, I've always been like sales marketing and I had a crew of door to door salesmen that I used to run, uh, working with another friend of mine who hired me. And so I had a crew of door to door salesmen that I'd run all over Chicago and knocking on doors. Really? As yeah. a door to door salesman, what 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 did you sell? Uh, I worked for um, it was a company that was doing this sort of donations program for the March of Dimes. So you'd go around selling these coupon books, and then you'd collect. You know, the March of Dimes would get some money. Right. The company would get some money. I would get some money. The door to door salesman would get some money. So it was kind of a cool gig. And I mean, I was seventeen, and I was working long hours, like six, sometimes right. seven days a week, from ten in the morning till eleven at night, sometimes running you know, essentially high school kids all over the suburbs of Chicago. Oh, great. That's it was just awesome. pretty cool. It was nice. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I, well, and you know, and, and it was the nineties too, right? So I had like a pager and I had like a cool see-through <laughs> green case and like, but in the nineties, if you had a pager, you were like a drug dealer. <laughs> so, oh, it had a bit of, it had a bit of that stigma with it. Totally. Yeah. So everyone, yeah. you know, they're like, are you a drug dealer? And I'm like, no, I actually have a business. <laughs> What? <laughs> right. Hey, page me and make sure you put nine one one if you need it to be emergency. <laughs> I remember, man, I forgot about pagers. It's like cassette tapes. Forgot all about that too. And you're like, oh, yeah, it's like a lost technology. Right. All right, cool. So let's get back into the art then. So you were trained in uh, watercolors and acrylics, but then I also see uh, some of your work is also in oil um, and also paint pens too. Um, which I never had the opportunity to use. Um, what is the attraction to using these mediums for you? Um, well, I'd say that what I use the most is acrylics, probably watercolors, the second most, and then these sort of oil-based paint pens. Um, mm -hmm. I really just use for, well, at the time, I, for the last 15 years, I've just used them for the line work that if you look at my art, you'll see there's like white and black line work. And mm -hmm. that's what I use those for. And I like the consistency, I like how they apply, blah, 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 right? Um, right. But, and I've done oils. I don't do much with oils anymore. Just those paint pens are oil-based. So that's where you got like a little oil in there. But like, in terms of oil painting, I don't do much. Uh, I always sort of gravitated towards water-based because like my first love was watercolor. I always loved how it looked. Mm. I mean, it's a very unique, um, it has a very unique sort of vibe. And even one of my favorite teachers at art school used to call it the media of the masters. And I think that was just because it was so easy to screw up and you can't go back. You oh, can't repaint yeah. it. Like if right. it's screwed, it's screwed. And right. um, so, uh, but the, I'd say the reason I probably like acrylics and watercolors the most is because they're fast and I like to move fast. I like to paint fast and, you know, hmm. I can still dump tons of time into a painting, but um, I just like the speed, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well how, how do you blend them together like how are you layering these elements because you know you have oil acrylic and watercolor and they're all different bases like how do you put them on to layer them out um well the watercolor well it depends and sometimes i'll even use gouache by the way if you know what gouache uh, is i do um, yeah yeah so um you know i mean the watercolor can kind of be reactivated the acrylics is basically like nice plastic really once it dries 
And so right. that's pretty permanent. And the gouache, same thing, you know. So I just kind of, it's sort of touch and go if you're mixing the media up a bit. Um, the paint pens are permanent, although you can reactivate them. So you, you have to be um, sort of, you know, careful of what you're doing. But a lot of times what I'll do is, you know, some artists will like varnish their paintings. Um, I'll use mm -hmm. actually a clear um, matte or kind of semi-gloss gel medium, which is basically acrylic paint with no uh, pigment in it. And so I'll use right. that to sort of like seal the painting. So if there's a section that I don't want to screw up or if I'm going to do some layering that could reactivate it and screw it up, then I'll do a little, I'll seal it and then mm -hmm. paint over it. Um, so that's kind of how I mix them up. And, and there's, I've been experimenting more and more with different mixed media. And there's one I'm doing right now where I'm, I'm you know, it's not a public painting yet. It's not completed yet, but there's, uh, I even took an old charcoal, Actually, it was a Conti crayon drawing, which are like these nice, nice dirt sticks for anyone who doesn't mm -hmm. know what those are. Um, but you can do like these really cool life drawings out of them and stuff like that. But I took an old drawing that I liked um, from literally 20-something years ago now. I cut it mm -hmm. out, and now I have that mixed with uh, acrylics, mixed with paint pens, and it's all on canvas. So it's kind of, it's kind of a cool mixed-media piece that I'm working on right now. Wow, that's a lot of different type of elements to work with with different like give and take you know translucencies opacity and so on yeah um, that also would go together yeah. i'll make them work yeah yeah no, <laughs> totally yes. well it's the joy of being an artist it's like it's like it's what i want to make work <laughs> so you make it work right yeah and um, you know a lot of my pieces in fact uh, on my website i'm going to go through a little rebranding on my website shortly where i'll kind of give some information but even now if you go to my website i just spent Oh, probably the last couple of months here and there, kind of on each painting, um, as you kind of click through them, you'll see if they got any press, you'll see the details about them. But I also started writing a little bit of the history of each one of these paintings of, you know, what, why I did it or what my inspiration was. And, and um, but in some cases, some of them were kind of like these pivotal paintings for me where it was um like one, for example, is the one I did in, I think it was 2005, called Hidden Stare. And that mm -hmm. was a real sort of benchmark painting for me that was, like it changed the entire direction of where I was going to go with every painting afterwards. So I was kind of trying to document the history of my style and my career in these paintings. So I just mm -hmm. finished that, um, I think a couple of weeks, even just a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. How long does it take you to work on a painting? Actually, let me rephrase that. Do you work on a painting all at once or do you work on a bit and then take a step back and then go tackle it again, like after a period of time? Or are you like on a full straight run through it? You're like, I'm going to work on this, you know, night and day, night and day until I'm done with it. feel like I'm done with a piece. Um, both. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, sometimes I've got several going at once. Sometimes I'll just be so honed in on one. And, mm -hmm. and you know, it's kind of a time factor too, honestly, where like, you know, I mean, like this year I was cranking them out. I finished four originals within the first two months of this year. Mm -hmm. um, so I was really kind of hot and heavy. And then over this whole, you know, coronavirus thing, obviously there's been a lot of different distractions. And so I've got this one. I haven't had quite as much time to crank it out, mm -hmm. um, you know, but that'll be the fifth one that I'll finish this year. So it really depends, you know. Cool. Awesome. Now I want to talk to about your uh, I want to talk about your choice of colors in your work. Mm -hmm. um, you make very very bold statements with color, right? You know, very strong. There's a lot of contrast. Uh, it has a lot of life to what you're painting, right? But how does 
how does the choice of color play a part in the communication of what you're producing, like of a piece? Uh, well, you know, I mean, yeah, a lot. You'll see that I have a lot of bright colors, and I've used mm -hmm. a particular color palette for 20 years now. It's a very simple color palette. I mix all my own colors, mm -hmm. um, and I use. Uh, I'd have to look the exact number, but I, I basically have a. I use the same eight colors, and from those, I mix everything, which is one of the things I learned at art school from this particular art teacher. And I think he had a little bit of an expanded color palette, but it was this basic color palette and I grew to really like it. Um, mm -hmm. And so all my paintings you see are with the same color palette and every color in there is, is just mixed on my own. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you see, I gravitate towards bright. I like, mm -hmm. I like, uh, mm -hmm. and I, I want those colors to sort of get attention. Um, and sometimes, like, uh, you know, there's paintings where they can be a little darker, but they're still sort of, they're definitely not dull. <laughs> no, they're not. I, it, it, there's a lot of life in your work. You yeah. know, um, if you if you really put a lot all of your attention onto one piece, there's a lot of personality and a lot of life of the subjects. Like the portrait of a mother one. Love that painting. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely love it. Like, there's so much life in that painting. It's like you really feel like you understand the personality of that person of the right. subject because well, of the color one, yeah well yeah. that one was actually a hired portrait uh, you know mm -hmm. for, for a client and you know if you've ever done portraiture or met a portrait artist i mean you know rule number one with portraiture is it has to look like the person and <laughs> otherwise otherwise it's totally done <laughs> you know and uh and that can be a huge pain in the butt sometimes because some some right. can be more difficult than others and sometimes things don't translate from real life onto a canvas the same or from you know if it's somebody who's you know thousands of miles away you're usually right. working from pictures of the person so it can be pretty difficult right. um, but like especially with the portraiture i got very good at um I didn't know, I just want to have the look. I wanted to try to capture the the person, like I wanted to capture the the feeling of the person, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, so I got pretty good at that. You really kind of capture the, I don't know how to describe it, the light of the person when they look at it. They go like, oh, it kind of feels like my mom, or it feels like my kid, or whatever, right? No, I I think you're right on it. There's a certain there's an emotional content that comes with it, like on that wavelength or message on it of the work of the piece. And um, I I just I get that with what you're doing there. You know, you really focus on it. And there's a lot of life in each of the pieces that you have, um, which I find very I admire that a lot because that's not an easy thing to do. Um, yeah, it's, it's um, not easy to get across. Yeah, it, and it's fun too. It's it's a rewarding. It's it. Um, yeah. You know, it can be hard work. Um, but it's also real rewarding because I know out of the last six portraits I delivered, like literally four of the clients were like brought to tears from when they received it. No kidding. When it, which is kind of shocking at first because uh, you're right. like, oh, crap, I made this person cry. <laughs> but, you know, if you if you think about yeah. it, these are usually pretty personal things that you're doing. Right. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it kind of makes sense. Like, you know, one, for example, was a friend of mine. It was her dad. You know, he passed away and, you know, she was blown away and, um, you know, brought to tears. So it's it, it, there's a real rewarding thing about doing portraiture for the for the person you're doing it for, you know, that the satisfaction they have or the impact that it has on them. That's, that's is that the reward for you? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, that's great. Yeah, it's a, yeah. you're you're making sort of um, you know, you're creating like this family heirloom, a thing to remember them by, or a time period of this person by, and like, you know, it's not mm. something that you get every day. This is like, you know, somebody right. like immortalized in a piece of fine art, and if you really do it right, and it looks like them, and it feels like them, and you really can kind of communicate that emotional impact. Mm. It's uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Immortalized. That's the right word for it. Yeah, well, as long yeah, as you know, the right word for it. as long as the house doesn't burn down, it should be good. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's um, you have this piece called Harrington, which you did in 1996, and uh, that's one of my favorite paintings of yours. Wow! Um, hey, cool. It is. Yeah, it is. And the reason why, for me personally, it's one of my favorite paintings is that it seems very personal. Right. I might be off on that, but I feel like it's very personal. No, it is. Um, yeah. I, and that one I just finished a couple of months ago, actually. All right. Yeah. So the title is Harrington 1996, but I just oh. finished it. And I think I finished oh. that in February of this year. Hmm. But for I, sure. I, I, I know I love that piece because um, it does feel very personal. And some of your work, I, as I go through it, really does take on that personal air. And it's really from really from your eyes like we're really i feel like we're you're really sharing something with us when, when i look at it right yeah um how do you how do you discover that moment to capture um well i'll, I'll use harrington as an example of one because um, uh-huh. <clears throat> you know some of these works they're just straight out of my imagination like the one i'm working on now is pure imagination you know sometimes there's one painting i remember that i sold uh a, i was in a gallery in stockholm sweden and and this the first painting that sold was one that i was just inspired by like the lights and darks on a woman's body and it was really cool and i'm like man i want to see that on canvas in this style and so you know Mm -hmm. so it can be i hear things or see things or i think of things just again from my imagination i've been writing and drawing about different characters and stories since i was 11 years old uh, younger really but kind of this Mm -hmm. whole universe that i kind of created that i pull from I created when I was 11. So it's a, it's kind of a long time coming, but the like Harrington, what was kind of interesting about that one is it was another sort of experimental piece where I've been using these sort of oil paint pens for mm-hmm. 15 plus years now, but I've never done a painting with them. I've only used them for accents or the line work typically mm-hmm. is what I use them for. And I got, and then I did these little experiments uh, two years ago. I was like, I wonder if I could actually do a painting in these. And I did these kind of cool, real impressionistic paintings. Like one was a duck going through the water, and they're tiny. They're just little experiments. But one mm-hmm. was a duck going through the water. One was just like a still life of an apple. Um, but it actually turned out really awesome. I was like, geez, I should do a painting with these one time. And so Harrington, mm-hmm. 1996, is 100% painted with these oil paint pens. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, for kind of a first experiment with those in terms of doing a piece of fine art with them, turned out pretty good, you know? Uh, um, I love the piece. Yeah, yeah I absolutely and, love the piece. Yeah. And in terms of its meaning, um, you know, some of my art school buddies, if they're listening to this, like Harrington used to be, it doesn't exist anymore as far as I know, but it was a, a design school in the fine art building in downtown Chicago. And my art school was in the building next to it. And so basically, you know, the dude art students would be sitting out there on Michigan Avenue downtown and you'd watch all the hot 
Harrington design girls <laughs> walking by you every day. And so this, it's kind of like a snapshot for me of, of that time back then. Like, is this Harrington chick walking down Michigan Avenue? And it's sort of, sort of like a kind of the feel of a Chicago downtown street. And so, and then the school doesn't even exist anymore. So um, it's sort of like, for me, Harrington 1996 is just like a portrait of American life type genre. You know, here's a little snapshot from downtown 96 from an art student's viewpoint. Yeah, I get that. I actually get that. For that actually makes a lot. Wow, it's really actually very clear now what that is and what's going on here. Because it doesn't it definitely feels very personal. It's like right from your point of view. Right. Like as this kind of observer. And then you're like, hey, here's a piece out of my memory or imagination of like just observing from your viewpoint. Because it feels very personal. Like we're looking through your eyes. But then a lot of your work carries that too. You know, um, I feel like we're kind of getting to know you a lot through your work. Um, which is interesting because you get into... Um, quote unquote modern art and it becomes so abstract and cold and distant that you actually don't know the artist much at all right you know it doesn't feel like there's a lot of personality into it and the human side of it i mean well done it's a great piece yeah thanks it's a fantastic piece i love it um so let's get into uh one piece you have recently produced as well and that's called hashtag right um, the subject of this piece is an individual holding a firearm and the subject you can safely assume is president trump uh, based off the outfit, right? Right. And um, it's a very intense and very direct piece. Uh, some of your work is political in nature, but not all of it. You do have subjects about uh, music, spaces, modern landscapes, and beautiful portraits, like I mentioned with the portrait of a mother. Um, do politics play a large role in your work, or is it one of many subjects you take an interest in that provide you inspiration? Yeah, sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so... You know, like I just like I mentioned with uh, Harrington, nineteen ninety six, I, I I kind of view that one as like this portrait of American life, right? Right. Um, hashtag for me is the same. It's a portrait of American life. Um, mm. I started that painting several years ago, and by sheer coincidence, really, I finished it the Friday before the twenty twenty State of the Union um, from the president, and so then just mm-hmm. the things he was saying, and you know, he was saying some stuff on the you know, second amendment and all this kind of things. And I'm just like, geez, this guy's setting me up <laughs> to like release this thing. And I just literally finished it the week before. So I, wow. you know, I announced it the week before and I got a lot of, I got a lot of great uh, response and attention. And so there's, you know, I've done other interviews and stuff about that one now, well, including that mm-hmm. one, I should say, but um, mm-hmm. you know, so that one I do kind of, it's, is it political? Yeah, sort of. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a very, it's funny, if you look at it, it's kind of a simple painting, but I'm trying to kind of say a lot in it for it's a, mm-hmm. kind of a simple subject matter. So mm-hmm. is it political? Sure. Is it a portrait of American life? Hell yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think anybody, you know, can argue the last four years. I mean, what's in the media, what people are living through, um, what's been going on. I mean, it's, it's pretty nutty. And so this is kind of a nice snapshot of it all. And, and, and yeah, the subject matter is Trump. (laughs) It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. I've been saying, you know, it's, it's either ambiguously Trump or not so ambiguously Trump. But Mm -hmm. when I first started the painting at the time, my son was only three and you can't Mm -hmm. see Trump's face. You can just see from the chin down and, Mm -hmm my own three-year-old son walked in and he goes, is that Donald Trump? And I go, hell, if my three-year-old can tell, I guess I got the job done. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know? So you, you, 
You bring up an interesting point, though, is um, you're leaving it up to the interpretation of the audience. Like, I could look at it and see uh, Second Amendment rights. Someone mm -hmm. else can come in and look at it and see violence. Mm -hmm. You know, another person can come in and see Trump. Another person can come in and see a businessman. Right. Right. That's that's very it's very interesting. I mean, it's really what you know, is that what fine art is then? Is it really up to the audience at that point to put in whatever context they can to create an understanding out of it? Sure. Well, you know, I, yeah. I, I'll share a realization I had, um, I don't know, maybe 10 years back now that was kind of a big epiphany for me. And, you know, there's times where, you know, I think any fine artist or filmmaker or musician, if they want to say something very direct, they'll say something very direct. You right. know, And we know plenty of those examples where, you watch a movie and it's almost preachy and you're like, all right, a little preachy for me or whatever. Right. Right. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, but I, you don't want to, I don't know. I had this particular realization that I try to achieve with each, which each, with uh, each painting, which is to achieve a masterpiece. Right. Every, I mm -hmm. never do a practice painting. Every painting I do, I want to achieve a masterpiece, like a sellable deliverable work. Right. So okay. you'll, you won't find in my studio, some old, you know, I might have like old sketches or something that I save for ideas, but you won't see any unfinished crappy painting that I'm never going to sell. Like it's always going to be a product that I can move out into the world. And what I try to get is I try to get four things out of each painting, regardless of what the subject is or regardless of what I'm trying to say. But the first thing is, is I want that painting to, you know, first and foremost, communicate to me. Like, it's my painting. It's what I'm making. It's what I'm creating, right? Secondly, mm -hmm. I want it to create, uh, to communicate to the audience. So when they, see, when they see it, you know, I'm getting that communication not only to myself, but to them. Okay. Right? Now, if it's really good, you can get somebody else communicating to somebody else about it. Like, hey, you should check out this painting from this guy. Or, hey... You know, uh -huh. have you seen uh, have you seen the new Tarantino movie yet? Like you can get others sort of communicating to others about it, right? Right. Um, so I like to get that. But the, the real interesting one for me is just like you said, this eye of the beholder. So if I'm if I have a painting that communicates to me, I've gotten it communicated to somebody else, they're communicating it to others, that's all really cool. But the, the really interesting one is if you can say just enough to that person and you mm -hmm. leave enough questions, enough uh, mystery, enough omitted information out of that painting, you can allow that person to start communicating back to that painting. Mm. You know, comic books is mm -hmm. a great example because, you know, in a movie you'll have, you know, everything's more or less spilled out or spelled out sometimes, right? It's all there. Some good filmmakers right. don't give you everything. They allow you to kind of invent something, right? Mm -hmm. but comic books are really cool because you get a frame and it shows this and then the next frame you're missing like sometimes minutes and you have to right. fill those gaps so you actually the comic books are actually getting the readers to communicate back to the comic book you see what i mean yeah and so that's yeah. kind of what i'm trying to achieve with some of these paintings like with hashtag yeah i mean depending on who looks at it they're going to communicate back to it with their point of view and that could be completely different than mine that could be completely different from yours but i'm but it's something that i am not only allowing but i'm encouraging i want that communication back to the work 
it's almost like a sense of letting go of the piece once it's done too yeah right i mean you kind of have to in this business if you uh you know you've always heard if you can't take criticism (laughs) like of all industries (laughs) like you know if you can't take criticism as a fine artist then you know you gotta have a pretty thick hide yeah what is is it is it criticism or is it just kind of letting your baby go and then just letting out in the world and say you know you know you make up your mind about it I guess you know, it I've, I've done, the, I've done yeah, my right? part, right? <laughs> it depends on who. If someone, if someone's was like, "Man, this piece of garbage really makes me feel like," and you're like, eh, "Okay," <laughs> <laughs> you're like, "All right, man." Right? Like, like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, okay, fine. You're, maybe I'm not your cup of tea. <laughs> Fair enough, too. <laughs> um, so I want to shift over a little bit into the business side of what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. So you have commissioned work. Right. Um, you've also done gallery work. You mentioned you've done some work in uh, Sweden, right? Was it Stockholm, Sweden? Yeah, I had this uh, yeah. couple who owned a gallery yeah. out there. We did a little right. 10-piece show. So you're going into galleries. Um, but, you know, there's a big shift, you know, in the last 20 years, internet, mm-hmm. selling things online, connecting with your audience. You know, is that market or that way of marketing and promoting providing you an independence from the gallery world to connect with your audience? For sure. For sure. Yeah. And I'm a little different too. I'm a little unique. Um, Cause it's kind of tough for me to say, like I've had galleries, I've sold my work in galleries. Um, I would work I, like currently I'm not working with any gallery. I mainly just lean on my audience and, and that's usually enough, you know, mm-hmm. cause you're right. It's a totally different world. Like your gallery now can yeah. be friggin' Instagram, you know? Right. Um, you know, I have, you know, so I have kind of all those resources too, and I'm a big promoter and marketer. So I've, uh, I'm lucky in that I have that ability and those, those, uh, contacts, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm not saying that I wouldn't work with any galleries, but it's kind of nice to not need it at the same hand at times. And you can just kind of rely on yourself, which is nice. Uh, but on the it other is- hand, you know, like there's, you know, on, on the business side of it too, you know, because I have I have two businesses. Like I'm I'm kind of a I'd say unique in this. Where on one hand I'm an artist and I I love art and love artists and I've been in the arts my whole life in multiple different facets. And these days I just kind of stick with fine art. And on the other hand, I've run this kind of marketing advertising company called the Gun Industry Marketplace. So here I am over in the firearms world, and I've always kind of kept these separate. You mm-hmm. know. But it's been, it's interesting. It's been in the last year, these two careers have sort of merged. Over here, I had my art career and over here, I had my gun career. And, and I, I like both of these industries and now they're together and I'm doing interviews in the firearms industry where they're like, wow, an artist who, um, you're into guns, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, you'll find right. me spouting stuff on the constitution and, um, and they're like, huh, you know, it's like different, <laughs> you know? Right. And so I uh, know it is unique. Yeah. It is. Yeah. So unique. like yeah. I have, you know, I have uh, two painting, like in the hashtag, that's actually a Heckler and Coke. It's an HK 45. It's a very specific mm-hmm. firearm. I did another painting this year that features a Walther PPKS. The painting I'm working on now actually has uh, an Armalite AR 15 in it. Um, mm-hmm. It's not what, that's not what this new one's about, but it's in there, you know? And, um, right. you know, so the interesting thing is, is, you know, I find that it probably already is or maybe harder to even sync up with some of the galleries because of some of the polarized viewpoints that's been pushed in on this 
where one example that I've, I've said before is there was a gallery here in the city where I, I looked at their type of work and I go, my work would match in with that. Cause you know, some abstract mm-hmm. gallery isn't going to look at my stuff and go, Oh, that's perfect for us. Cause it, we have nothing to do with each other, you know? Right. Um, right. but these guys, their work looked pretty good. I go, Hey, I actually, my, my work seems like it would jive with their work. And I was about to reach out to them and say, Hey, maybe we should meet, um, looking for one in the city here. And then I saw the next week they were having some like anti firearm show. And I'm like, Oh, they're going to hate me. Oh. <laughs> you know? Oh, so, right. and I have seen, I have seen not a bunch, not as much as I thought, but I have the more, the more these two reputations have sort of merged, I've seen a little shunning here and there, but not as much as I thought there would be. So it's kind of an interesting thing where I, I, I really have to lean on my audience. And the more I've done that, like, you know, when I did a painting of Trump, I mean, there's most definitely people who are not fans of Trump and, right. you know, they unfollowed me or they whatever. So I'm kind of like, well, all right, well, I have to do what I you know, I have to keep my integrity as an artist and I have to do what I believe mm-hmm. in. And if I lose some fans, but then again, on the other hand, I've gained more fans too. So it's mm-hmm. kind of this real interesting thing that occurred with the, the merging of these two careers, you know? Mm-hmm. You bring up the responsibility of an artist then, you know, that's actually really, um, and then the integrity of an artist, you know, like how do you, I think you kind of answered that. Is it kind of na- how do you navigate that? You know, how do you navigate that path to keep it in and then keep going as an artist, regardless of it being polarizing? You know? Well, you know, there's times where <clears throat> I guess there's times where I try to kind of keep an even keel, you know, right. and I'm not out to pit anybody against each other. And you sure. know, I have you know as survival viewpoints as I can. Like, just I'll give you an example. Like, it could be very easy right now for me to get into the Republicans and the Democrats and the liber you know, I could get all right yeah, into right. that. And I don't right. in the least bit. In fact, you know, politically, I don't believe in the two party system at all. And I believe it's a divide and conquer technique. And so now like, how do you do that as an artist? Right. So mm. I kind of, I kind of steer clear of that. Um, as far as like, if anybody's like, Oh, so you're a Republican. I go, yeah, not really. You know, I, mm. I'm going to vote for who, um, I like and who I think is going to be the best thing for this country's future. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. what, I don't believe in that system. So um, it's kind of funny to, to have to navigate that as an artist, especially when in this industry, you will find people who are, you know, in the, they're, you know, liberals or right or left leaning or whatever. So mm-hmm. it can be kind of a razor's edge sometime, but then other, sure. there's other times where you got to commit, you got to say what you think. And sometimes some people aren't going to like it. And, you know, you, so sometimes I try to keep an even keel and sometimes I will say something quite blatantly that some people won't like. And I go, okay. I I mean, you, you have to, every artist is going to be a little different and stand up for what they believe in and they're creating things. And, you know, Mm -hmm. so, um, Mm -hmm. so it's funny. You, you might make some enemies, but you'll, You'll make some friends, but I think the real important thing is is to be like, you know, people can spot a fake. You know, right. you gotta be you gotta be real. You gotta I mean honestly to you know, again to be kind of blunt, you gotta have balls, you gotta stand up yeah. for what you believe in. And um 
And a lot of times it may not be popular, but over time people will come around. People are, people are smart, you know, they'll come around to certain things and, but Hey, you know, I can be wrong too. Somebody can be like, Hey, you know, you're, you're, I don't think this is right. And who knows, maybe two years down the road, I can say, Hey, he was right. I was wrong. (laughs) You know? And now, so it is, but it's, it's true. It's kind of, um, you know, for me, I guess I just try to think with, um, hopefully steering people towards some, a good direction because they do, Mm -hmm. they look up to artists or athletes or musicians or, you know, stellar business owners. So when you start to get in that position, you got to look at like, what you're saying and what you're doing, like, you know, the music business, you know, over the last forever is a good example where mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know, if you're a big rock star and you're out, you know, do, drinking all the time and doing drugs all the time, like, is that what you want your legacy to be? Is that what you wanted to steer a million right. children to? Um, mm-hmm. Cause they're looking. So you have to really mm-hmm. like go, well, what do I want to steer them towards? Um, but you know, you gotta, you gotta sleep at night too. You yeah. know, so yeah. make sure you're steering the ship in the right direction is all I got to say. You know, you got like, let's use the impressionists as an example, right? And you had this group of guys who were doing work at the time and they were challenging considerations at that moment of what fine art is or was, mm-hmm. right? So there's this like traditional style of painting and the impressionists were really trying to look for this quick action to capture the emotion within the work. From Van Gogh to Lucifer Track, uh, Monet, um, they were challenging a bit of that. And I think you bring up something interesting is that artists can have a responsibility culturally to challenge some considerations and ideas, but mm-hmm. also push something ahead too. You know, like create a future or put a communication there um, that could be forward thinking, could be changing. I mean, right. those guys had a huge impact. Picasso is another example, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he ticked off a lot of people with his with his work. <laughs> yeah, he did, but he just wanted to uh, he uh, just wanted to do the work, and he wanted to produce. You yeah. know, and he produced like yeah, what did he do? Like forty something thousand paintings in his career. Yeah, you well, know? you know what's interesting about yeah. him is, um, you know, if you look at his earlier work, the guy could actually paint. He could paint realism. Like he was no joke. He knew mm-hmm. what he was doing. It was not a fake. Right. You know, and he did some new stuff. And the impressionists are interesting too. Like even if you look at the definition, sorry, the derivation of where the term impressionism came from, it was actually uh, it sounded it was more of an insult. It was uh, an art review, and some guy said about an impressionist painting, um, mm-hmm. "Oh, it looks like more of the impression of a painting than a painting." And then the term impressionism was born. So it was actually like an right. insult that turned into this amazing style which i still consider myself an impressionist by the way like i you know the definite like per the definition of impressionism you're using like lights and darks and values and colors to kind of capture the impression of something rather than painting a photorealistic representation and that's what i do and it's funny you can see you can see in my art you can see the impressionistic roots but you can also see the influence of everything from my illustration degree to comic books, you can see those impressions on me as an artist, but I still consider myself like a modern, like new era impressionism or impressionist. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A, little, a little history there in the term, which is was amusing to me. I'm like, oh, the guy was talking some smack. Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And we're like, you're like, yeah, it is. We're going to just call it that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> um, you know, nowadays it would probably have evolved as like, 
suckism or something or like <laughs> this painting sucks you know um, anyway, oh, i kind of lost your original question there but just a kind of a side note no no it's it's totally cool man it's totally fine um so uh you do have a really great sense of marketing when it comes to promoting your work um can you talk a little bit about the process of taking on the role of a business owner yeah, well, I mean, the first thing to know, like in the arts, like it's all nice and well to say, great, I'm an artist. You know, that's nice. Right. But, right. you know, if you want to eat, you need to make money. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. And, right. you know, and if you don't make money, then you're going to have jobs and different careers. And, and so it's, uh, you know, and you may do that anyway, concurrently, just like you always hear about the actors who waited tables on the way up. And, you know, that mm-hmm. stuff happens. You got to, you got to make a buck and you got to, pay your rent and eat and all that kind of stuff. Um, but that, you know, you do have to know how to run a business. Like you do need to charge money. You need to be able to charge money. You need to know how to promote it and where to promote it. And it has to be in volume to a lot of people. Um, you know, you got to pay business taxes, you know, you have mm-hmm. to incorporate yourself as a business after a while, once you get big enough. And, um, you know, so, but I, I, I really like that because then it sort of becomes this thing which was a hobby. Maybe it was a hobby, just, you know, you sell at the local, I don't know, market or something like that to now you're like a business. It feels mm-hmm. a little different. Like you're, you're like, I'm, I'm a, a corporation. I got a little corporation now. And now I, you know, mm-hmm. I have my merchant account set up and uh, pay my sales taxes and the work and whatever. Um mm-hmm. You know, but that's the people, the thing that, you know, when you're coming into this industry, that's what they need to realize. It is an industry and it is a business. Mm-hmm. So you should kind of get yourself mentally prepared to work. It's work. Like any good thing. Yeah. You know, but it's like, what do you want to do yeah. for your work? Do you want to, yeah. you know, do you want to wait tables and that's how you eat? Or do you want to crank out cool music or art or film and that's how you eat? Like. So, but it's definitely work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's really helpful. I mean, I, I think that answer really gives us a well-rounded understanding of just how to look at it from the vantage point of, you know, got to get it out there, got to promote it. Yeah. You have to produce as an artist, but now take on the role of business, business person, you know, and then get it out there, get in touch with the galleries, promote it, get the business organized, you know, and then get those lines in, you know, to run it. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just like anything else, man. I, I think you can get all complicated yeah. about business, but whether you're making cookies or ice cream or whatever it is, the, yeah. I think the underlying business principles are all going to be the same. If no one knows about you, they're not going to buy your cookie. You know? Yeah, right. Um, right. And then once you have right. the cookies and they're eating them, they better be good or they're not going to come back. <laughs> <laughs> I want those cookies. I don't right. like those cookies. Uh, I, I ran into a very similar problem coming out of art school myself. I had a really great portfolio. I was ready to start schlepping it around, but then I, it dawned on me the day after, like, the, like actually the day after I graduated, I'm like, I have no idea how I'm going to make a career out of this. If right. I have great work, I can go produce. I'm like, what do I do? So you got to figure it out. You know, if you're hungry, if you're hungry for it, you go figure it out and go do it, you know, right. and then start looking at it. Like I can get my work sold, you know, and, well, and I wish that was, I think that's a failure of like any education in this country right now and probably around the world, but like, you know, you're not prepared for real life or you're learning all this other stuff. And this is a whole other conversation, mm. but you know, right. like, you know, it'd be nice in high school if you actually learned how to do things that you really needed to know in life that, you know, weren't, you know, algebra two, unless you're going to be like some sort of 
scientist or mathematician where that really matters, right. you know? Right. And I think the same goes for any sort of art schools where, you know, there's bad, I'm sure there's terrible art schools out there. I'm lucky that I feel like I got like into a good one. And, um, but you know, I think if I were to give them a little quality control, it would be like, yeah, you know, they have, they sometimes they have a job board and a career center and like, you know, but it would be, hey, you know, you might want to teach these guys like how to, you know, it wouldn't even be that hard, like how to incorporate your own business. It's not that hard once you know what you're doing and how to, hey, you know, here's yeah. how to run some finances and invoice a client and here's how you should charge and here's some ideas for that. And then, you know, give them a grounding and then they can kind of go do whatever they want with it. But it would be nice if there was a little bit more business instruction in some of these art schools, because otherwise they go out and they're like, you know, like uh, art school confidential, um, yeah. which we both know. Like in the con- in the comic strip, it shows a girl flipping burgers with her Bachelor of Fine Arts degree behind her. And it's probably <laughs> sadly true <laughs> in some cases, you know. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, it, it can be. Yeah. It can be. Yeah, it can be. And I think we just have to get out of that consideration that that's what we're going to do and we're going to be starving as artists. No, that's, uh, a, that's false. It. Yeah, that's complete. Yeah. You know, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Uh, starving yeah. artist is 100% false. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's well. It's well said. <laughs> I, I agree with you. <laughs> I know. Like, there's no other, like you know whoever's saying that is wrong. And there's yeah. just like any other business and any other industry, you figure out how to make a living, make a business, make lots of money, get rich, whatever it is. Same thing goes in this industry. You've got to find your place and how to make it make money. Um, mm. You know, I mean, it's starving artist is false. You just yep. you just haven't pushed past uh, the hard part, which is the hardest part is really getting it going. And then yeah. I would say the second hardest part is getting it to a point where it's viable, meaning like, again, you can eat, you can pay your bills, like you're actually living and working on your own steam. Those are, those are where most people quit. So it's not a matter of starving artists or, oh, the industry is really hard. No, it's persistence and getting past the point of starting and eating, you know? Yeah. Owen, man, drop, dropping some truth bombs today. I like it. <laughs> I'll stop. <laughs> good, I'll man. stop, man. I'll get, I'll get a little more casual. <laughs> no, no, you're good. No, I think it's very valid, 100% valid, and it's good to hear from someone who has – has had and continues to have a successful career as an artist, you know, cause you're making it and that's really important and valuable information. Um, you don't hear that in college or from an education, at least I didn't at a secondary school. So, uh, it's good. Thank you. Yeah, sure. Um, so with that being said, we're going to take a short break and then we're going to be right back with our next segment, which is getting to know own York some more. Cool. And we are back to the art of with Owen York. All right, Owen, our next segment and last part of this interview is going to be five questions and getting to know our guests. So are you ready for this? Sure. All right, cool. All right. So I know you're a really huge Mike Patton fan. Right. And all of his other wonderful ventures he has. I am too. Yeah. So uh, you have to choose one and choose wisely here. Uh, Mike Patton and Faith No More. In Dillinger Escape Plan or Mr. Bungle? Hmm. Jeez. Um, I'm gonna have to roll 
with God, I think I'm gonna have to go with Faith No More, but Bungle mm. is a close, close, close number two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. That's great. I you uh what was the first uh, album you got from them? Um funny, you know, it's funny how I, I, I went into a CD store back when you used to go into CD stores and I saw uh-huh. this cd that had the uh, face of a clown and i just bought it for the cover and that was mr bungle's first album i never oh. even heard it i just bought it for the cover and it turned out to be mr bungle and then oh, nice you know and that's how i got turned on to bungle and then all of a sudden you know faith no more was huge and right and then i've like i follow Patton to this day i if his name's on it i usually buy it nice it's not a bad choice he's an amazing vocalist but that cover that wasn't with the clown eating the balloon. Was that the one? I remember correctly. Uh, I don't think it was eating. It, it was a bunch of drunk clowns all over the thing. Like they were like drunk and yelling at kids because they were like alcoholic clowns. <laughs> 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 but it was like great art, and it was this cool album. And I'm like, Mr. Bungle. I was like, and I don't how old. I, maybe I was ten. Oh right. Some, whenever that album came out, I mean, that's when I bought it. Oh, uh, how cool! I think my first run into him, I was with Faith No More, the real thing, their second album. Hmm. and i had that on cassette tape and i just i listened to that album nonstop. you and i are around the same age so i think it was around that same time too that album came out yeah that was with their big hit epic on there and such but the rest of that album was just unbelievable it's the um, guys the guys just extremely creative in fact um they came out mm-hmm. with a new album several years ago now and uh, my awesome wife got me tickets because faith no more broke up and here right. they came out with a new album they went on tour so we went down to atlanta to see them live and it was really cool, man. I wasn't—I hadn't been to a concert, you know, a, a rock concert in a long time. And uh, I was like, man, what's this going to be like? Is it going to be a bunch of drugs? How's it going to be? And it turns mm. out it was a bunch of yous and me's. It was a bunch of guys in their 30s and 40s and probably 50s. And we were all like, some of them have brought their kids. And oh, we, yeah. we were all like, I remember this one guy I was next to. We were being, we were such big dorks. We were like, we've been waiting 18 years to see these guys live. So it was, <laughs> it was, you know, but we were all like aged parents and professionals. And <laughs> it was a really awesome. It was a great, I mean, they still put on a killer show. And I'd, I'd never gotten to see Faith No More live, which was awesome. Uh, what a treat. What an absolute treat. That's really great. Yeah, I've, I've never had a chance to see him live ever. I just always enjoyed the music. Those guys are always phenomenal. Um, awesome. Yeah. So I also know you are a big movie buff. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your favorite quote from a movie? Hmm. God, you know, I don't know that I actually have a favorite quote from a movie. Okay. I don't think I do, man. I have plenty of favorite movies, but I don't know that I have a favorite quote. Oh. I, I, I may, you know, I'll give you kind of a, a slipshot answer for this is the painting I'm working on right now. Uh, my working title, which will probably end up be the real title, is called Smells Like Dot 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 Victory. And that's a throwback. Okay. So Smells Like Victory, which is a throwback to uh, Apocalypse Now. Is it? Mm-hmm. If you remember, oh, I'm going to blank on his name. What's his name? The guy who was the, uh, you know, he was in charge of the air cab. Was that Robert Duvall? Thank you, Robert Duvall. Yeah. Do you remember that scene where he's like, I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Yeah. And he goes, yep. It smells like victory. So that's actually the working title of the painting I'm working on right now is kind of a little throwback to Apocalypse Now. Uh, what a cool reference. Mm. 
that's a very very cool reference. I remember that he had was he was shirtless and had his captain's cavalier kind of hat on, right? Yeah, he or was ca- amazing. Cavalry hat on. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, ever uh, you ever used an Ouija board? Yeah. Uh-huh. When it was me and my brother and a friend down the street, and uh-huh. we we used one, and uh, apparently contacted the spirit of a dead dog. <laughs> I swear. How did he answer? Yeah, How did he answer? Like wolf? Like I, I think its name was Rex. <laughs> <laughs> how would how would the dog answer you? Like in barks? No, it would talk. No, it would yeah. talk. <laughs> yeah, it gave us letters. I mean, that's how we figured out. It was you know Ouija board. Like, what's your name? And it was like Rex or something like that. We were that's like pretty, we were pretty young, you know, ten or twelve or something like that. That's a pretty insightful dog. <laughs> Yeah, you know, he was, he was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Next question. Um, sheets on your bed. Sheets tucked in or out? You mean like people tucking their sheets into the under the mattress so it's like sealed? Yep, in or out. Oh man, mine's out. I'm mine's a. I move around so much when I sleep. Like I couldn't keep it in if I wanted. Mm, mm. Okay. See, my wife. We have it on both sides of the bed where she tucks them in and i don't because she likes it like sealed like hermetically sealed where you can't move at all Mm -hmm. i'm the same way i flip around i drive her bananas so so. she sleeps in like a ziploc pretty much (laughs) (laughs) and then on my side it's like it's like pretty much chaos reigns on the bed of just like wherever whatever goes every anywhere you're like whatever Mm -hmm. all right all right i'm with you though out is definitely the way to go yeah okay freedom yeah no totally i feel the same way uh, okay, cool. Last question. Who would win in a fight? Daniel Plainview from where there will be blood or Bill the Butcher in Gangs of New York? Bill the Butcher. Oh, yeah? Why Why, why Bill the Butcher? Well, the, the gang field guy was the oil guy, right? Uh, yeah, Plainview was the oil guy. Uh, he was like the manipulative businessman. Right, right. So yeah, yeah. both Daniel Day-Lewis as characters, who's amazing, yeah. but... No, the yeah. uh, the gangs of New York guy. That guy knew where to stick a knife exactly to hit an organ. That guy was like a, you know, he knew how to carve up the body exactly. So, I think that guy would. He had a little more hand to hand combat experience. <laughs> Interesting. I would go with Daniel Plainview. Really? I think. I think. Uh, yeah, I think he's a little bit more manipulative. I think mm. he can set it up way far ahead of time and manipulate it for his benefit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Right. You, you didn't you say it wasn't the question of fist fight? No, nah, it's just fight. Oh, okay. It's whatever you want it to be. Well, then yeah, maybe that guy because maybe maybe if they did get in a fight, he'd just hire somebody to <laughs> kill the other guy, <laughs> throw oil on him. <laughs> yeah, that's that's open to a lot of interpretation. <laughs> no, it totally is. I I only brought it up because uh, those are uh, two of my favorite movies, and both have happen to have Daniel Day Lewis in it. Um, he was just awesome. Hmm. Oh my god, the guy's unbelievable. All right, cool. Um, so that about covers it for our interview today with Owen. Uh, Owen, um, I really appreciate you being here today, man. This was a fantastic interview. It was very insightful, incredibly helpful, and I appreciate the openness and um, the integrity in which in which you do your work with. Uh, it's awesome. You're a real talent. Uh, anything you want to uh, promote today, uh, website, anything we can go take a look at? Uh, sure, yeah. I mean, uh... And I'm going to do this a funny way because I always feel like this when I'm about to say it. But, like, you know, anybody who's interested in checking out what I do or, you know, it's uh, my website is owenyork.com. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I always, I always have the effort. I want to be like, yeah, you can check out my work at owenyork.com. Oh, by the way, go to see me at www.owenyork.com. Once again, this is <laughs> owenyork.com. <laughs> so we can find you on owenyork.com. And then you're also actively on social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, and also Instagram, correct? Yeah, I'm on all of it. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. And, and I think almost all of those are just at Owen York Studios. Okay, great. So we can find you at Owen York Studios and then owenyork.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. You're you're uh, you're totally awesome and completely generous. I appreciate your time and you know keep producing and doing what you do. All right, brother. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Take care. All right, see you.